Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And that's where we stand on a Monday morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear hotline, which includes the one and only Stephen A. Smith, who's on the way here in five minutes over the weekend. He posited, or on first take last week, he posited a huge Texas-sized swap between two of the biggest stars in the NFL. We'll talk to him about that, like I said, now just about four minutes. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Stephen A., and everybody on the Goodyear hotline. And we just passed Valentine's weekend, fellas, so I guess you have to put it into context here for Urban Meyer. On Friday morning at 10 a.m., his heart was probably fluttering as he saw Trevor Lawrence throw beautiful ball after beautiful ball at his pro day, and they've got the first overall pick. Meyer was out there on the field, hands on hips, standing behind Trevor Lawrence. Not unusual at a pro day, but considering 16 other teams were there and nobody else was out on the field, he probably was like, that's my guy. Everybody needs a quarterback. This is my first foray into the NFL. Hard fluttering. And then a heart-stopping moment on Friday night when he accepted the resignation of Chris Doyle, his new director of sport performance, who made it basically 24 hours on the gig. That name may be familiar. He was with Iowa for 20 years as their strength and conditioning coach, but parted with the university after some allegations of racism and racial bias in the university culture. So, Key, quite a day. At the beginning of the day, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's my guy. Here's the future. And then the near future, as in that moment, losing your first big hire. Welcome to the NFL, Coach. Well, look, he, he certainly knew that after one day the temperature was changing. When he made the decision to hire uh, Chris Doyle, it was like, you know, it was, okay, we're going to hire him. Nothing's the, I'm running the show. But then he learned quick, fast, and hurry he wasn't running the show. And whether it was our show or other shows, that were out there that brought light to the situation, he learned quick that it's not the NC2A, it's not the athletic department at Florida or Ohio State, it's not your athletic director. This is real pro ball you're dealing with. And when everybody's paying attention to you as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's extremely important to note that every move that you make is going to be scrutinized, whether it's draft picks, signing a free agency, cutting the players, hiring guys on your staff. And I have no idea as to why Urban Meyer would think that that was the right move, given that, first of all, what we've been dealing with over the last four years in this climate, when you're talking about racism, bigotry, and fair, unfair, all of the hiring practices in the National Football League. And then once the the Fritz uh, Parler Alliance got a hold of it, then at that point it completely Change, Jay. And then I know he's sitting at Clemson. He probably, I mean, when he went to Clemson, he already knew that there probably was going to be a wrap Saturday morning. He, he he knew he just was taking care of business with Trevor Lawrence. But I promise you, his cell phone, he was looking at that thing like every 30 seconds. It's crazy, just the tone deafness that comes along with it. And you know, a lot of people will say lack of awareness. Well, it, it feels like some people choose to have lack of awareness. And this was one of those opportunities where I saw Urban Meyer choose to say, I want to do it my way. Now, it's these are self-inflicted wounds, Zubin. Self-inflicted wounds. I do not feel sorry for Urban Meyer. I do not. Uh, you, When you are making these type of decisions as a head coach or as an executive, you have to take into account what the temperature is socially of the climate of your players, who your players are, what they stand for, 
And not saying you have to make every choice for your players because you are the leader. You have to make the choice as in the player's best interest. But you have to get that pulse. You have to be aware of the pulse. And right now, they're aware of the pulse of a league that is a predominantly black league with the history that Chris Doyle has. I don't understand how it even got to this point in the first place. And I know we talked about it in an earlier segment. But, you know, if you're running these kind of things by a guy like Shah Khan, you know, maybe at first it doesn't bring that kind of attention. But you know, I don't know how you don't address that history of a hire like this with your owner. And then if that is the case, if, the, if that's an owner, I would say I, I don't want this guy to be a part of my organization, even if he does get the right results at the end of the day, because this is not reflective of where I want the organization to go. Well, you said he vetted it with the owner. And sometimes as we But that's what I'm saying. There has to be accountability for the owner, too. Well, it can't just be Urban Meyer. As, as sometimes as we always say, until you actually have people in the room to be able to explain certain things to people, Shaq Khan probably is not aware of the temperature because he doesn't deal on a daily basis with people but, of color, meaning black people, that, that, that are feeling right, though, Key. And no, I'm not. I'm, no one's saying an excuse is right. I'm, what I'm saying is when you don't have people telling you that's not the right move, then sometimes you just don't know. It's not like the Jacksonville Jaguars are flooded with African-Americans working in their front office to be able to have a communication line open with a, a owner or personnel people to be able to say to them, yo, man, what are you doing? But like, you, that's, that's even my point, though. Why does it have to be an African-American that sheds light on this? Like, I have a lot of friends that are Caucasian friends. They're like, yo, what the hell is he doing? Yes. Like, it but, just, it, but when it takes you, somebody to be aware. When you got a wall up, though, when you got a wall up and you ain't paying attention, then all you care about is winning football. It takes some people to be around you to be able to tell you, yo, that's not the right move. Like, you don't really understand how loud this noise is getting ready to get on your butt. And that happens. We see it every single day where we always have conversations about how come some ad agency is putting out this particular ad that's going to come back and bite them is because there's not somebody there telling them, yo, what are you doing? Even though they know and they see it, they think, oh, well, it's not going, it's not going to be that loud. Then they release that ad, and the next thing you know, they have to pull the ad because it's not the right ad that they presented to the world. This is the same thing with Urban Meyer in the Jacksonville Jaguars. When you don't have people there telling you, Yo, what are you doing? You think, oh, he really didn't get fired. He kind of resigned. They gave him a little bit of money zooming so it can go away. Uh, and you can sell that to an owner or sell that to a general manager that's not really paying attention. We'll talk about this with Stephen A. in one minute, but I just want to mention a lot, a lot of times when you extract somebody from a situation like that, you pull them out, you say, okay, sorry, we made a mistake. It's time to move on. Our Jags reporter, Mike DiRocco, succinctly tells us why even though Doyle is out, This story is not yet out of bounds with Jags players because they're going to meet for OTAs in offseason, and you know what's going to happen the second Meyer steps into the room. When these guys get back, they're going to want to get in front of Urban Meyer, and they're going to ask him to explain himself, and they're going to ask him, why did you feel like you needed to do that? Why did you feel like that was okay? That's the big next step. We'll see what happens with OTAs. This story is not over yet, even though Doyle is out. And that's what I said to you guys last week when I hired him. I said, the players, man, the players ain't having it. When they step in, he's got to be able to address them. When they step in that locker room, ain't no benefit of the doubt because you won at Florida and you won at Ohio State. They're going to be looking at Urban Meyer cross-eyed. They're going to be like, yo, 
What's up with that? And every little, they're going to be watching. So any little thing is going to trigger them. There's no doubt. Friday, he's standing on the field next to Dabo Sweeney. They had so many great jousting matches, Clemson versus Ohio State. But again, as you guys have said a million times before, this ain't college football. This is the NFL. Let's bring in Stephen A. Smith. First take, Stephen A.'s World on ESPN+. Stephen A., we want to get to a million things with you. Anthony Davis, all this stuff with Dak and Deshaun. But first, I want to just get your thoughts on what had to be a head-spinning weekend for Urban Meyer. Frankly, a head-spinning day for Urban Meyer as Chris Doyle is out basically 24 hours after Meyer said this guy was going to help us be one of the best in the NFL in his particular craft. Well, Urban Meyer dropped the ball. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, for me personally, you know, uh, uh, not to coin a popular phrase, a cancer culture or whatever, but I mean, when I, I recognized uh, what Doyle's reputation was and how he got himself into trouble before, and I totally understood that. My guy, I, the way my my attitude is, is I'm always about how America is the land of second chances or what have you. But I was a, I was under the assumption that Urban Meyer came in. Urban Meyer talked to some players or whatever the case may be, uh, had a conversation, talked it out before making that decision. Um, I had no idea that he made a unilateral decision, hadn't spoken to anybody. He just decided this is what he was going to do. I thought when he said that he had vetted, you know, he was completely, he had completely vetted Doyle and what have you. I thought that included him talking to other people before he made the decision, listening to Keyshawn Johnson talking about it last week. And you guys, my mentality was, okay, all right, if he talked to them, that would be one thing. If he didn't talk to them and he just made a decision and was like, you guys are going to have to trust me and that's that, he definitely dropped the ball and that's the price that was going to be paid. And I think to some degree it's still a price that's going to be paid because when these guys get in front of him, I think they are going to confront him about why he would make this decision, particularly without consulting anybody and think that that was okay, uh, specifically in regards to the times that we're living in, uh, what we've just finished enduring over all of these months, how our society is supposed to be woke now more than ever before, and yet Urban Meyer still came out and, and behaved in a way that was indicative of some of the problems that black folks have been complaining about for decades. And that's unilateral decisions being made, clearly involving double standards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that, you know what, you're just going to have to trust us. No, that's not the society that we're living in right now. And trust is not something that you're just going to be given by players. It's something that you're going to have to earn. And I think Urban Meyer took a step back in this direction. Stephen, you think the Texans gave J.J. Watt a different request for his release versus Deshaun's request to be traded. You think that's treated differently? Hell yeah. Without question. Now, you can make the argument that J.J. Watt has been there significantly longer, and his years of service have a lot to do with the fact that they elected to make, you know, to, to just let him go. Uh, you can also make the argument that his position, while very, very important, isn't as important as the quarterback position. So they have an opportunity to recover as a franchise from losing him rather than if you lost the talent at the quarterback position, that of Deshaun Watson. But again, the times that we're living in does have, to, that does have something to do with what we're talking about here. Deshaun Watson wants out. You come out, you hire a coach. 65 years of age, 27 years in the league. We wish Coach David Cully nothing but the best. 
Um, and, and certainly he's put in the work to earn this opportunity. Nobody's rooting against him. But between Casario, the GM, and then you drive, you hire David Cully as the head coach, you bring these guys in. Deshaun tells you he doesn't want to be a part of the organization any longer. He wants out, and you are dogged in your approach, at least publicly, that you're not about to let him go. But then J.J. Watt meets with you and, and, and asks, I, I want out. I'd like you to let me out of my contract. And they say, okay. And so when you look at the difference, that's how folks on the outside are going to look at it. Now, there may be a legitimate argument, very legitimate argument. We don't know what the hell is going on. We're not inside the walls of that organization, and we get it. But from an optics perspective, J.J. Watt, a star in my estimation, obviously a three-time defensive player of the year. We know what he brings to the table. But he's a guy that's incredibly loved within the community, attached to the franchise, who also happens to be white, simply makes a request to you to let him go. And you say, okay, no problem. But Deshaun Watson wants out, and you've met, let it be known to the world, we ain't about to let you go. You ain't going no damn place. That's how it looks. And that's a very, very bad look for an organization that has done a lot over the last few months, if not years, to look very, very bad. You said, it, you said it right, Stephen. Think about this. This is exactly one month ago today. Think about how much stuff has happened with the Houston Texans in one month. On January 15th, Schefter put out that cryptic tweet that said, if you thought Deshaun Watson was angry on a scale of 2 to 10 when they traded D-Hop, it's now a 10 of 10. That tweet set it off because Deshaun then doubled down on the tweet and essentially confirmed it. That was January 15th. Everything that Stephen A. has said has happened in the last month. The social media extraction, the hiring of David Culley, the situation with Eric Bieniemy, Jack Easterby, Nick Casario, everything here has gone down. The trade request, it's all gone down in the last month. And I agree with your longevity argument for sure. Deshaun has been in the league four. JJ's been in the league two and a half times that. And the other guy that asked for his release or to be traded, Matt Stafford, has been in the league three times as long as Deshaun Watson. Last week, Stephen A., you said on first take, a Texas-sized swap. Deshaun for Dak. Make it happen. Well, this morning, Stephen A., we asked our front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum, if he would take Stephen A.'s advice and make that deal. Here's what a guy that's actually made deals for two NFL franchises, the Jets and the Dolphins, said about Stephen A.'s statement. I'm a huge Dak Prescott fan. I'm probably in the minority from a standpoint. I think it's close. I think some people see Watson and Prescott. I'm much closer. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think they would both have to be there signed, which obviously Dak isn't. So that's a fascinating dynamic. If I was Dallas, I would do it. And if I would Houston, I would actually strongly consider it. Stevie Day, you said it. What's the feasibility, though, that it happens? I don't think there's a strong feasibility to it because, again, Dak is not signed, um, and, and that's the situation right now. What I'm saying is in my fantasy world, listen to, to think about what I'm trying to say here. Deshaun Watson is a star. Dallas, America's team, which they don't deserve that model. They don't deserve that name, by the way. I mean, America, I thought, was the land of prosperity and the land of opportunity, not the land of mediocrity. Don't get me started with that. But nevertheless, the bottom line is, is that Deshaun Watson throwing to a Gallup, throwing to an Amari Cooper, throwing to a C.D. Lamb uh, with Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. They could do some things with that offense. This brother is spectacular, and I think that Deshaun Watson being in Dallas would be a lovely thing. On the Dak Prescott side, which is more unlikely, First, you got to get him signed. But secondly, and more importantly, the one thing we can accuse the Texans of is that they're hesitant to give up the money because they clearly was willing to give Deshaun Watson that money. And so the chances are they'd be willing to give Dak Prescott those dollars as well. And not only that, 
Dak Prescott, no disrespect. I'm not, I don't mean it as a negative, but he's not somebody that ruffles feathers as the star quarterback of an organization. Think about the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. Think about the social justice issues and things of that nature. It's, it's Dak Prescott who's never called out Jerry Jones. It's Dak Prescott who's never said a negative word about his organization. It's Dak Prescott who's been known to toe the company line and be highly professional and efficient in terms of his performance and his dedication to his craft. And really, that's about it. The only noise that Dak Prescott has made in his career is that he refuses to sign a deal for five years with the Dallas Cowboys because he wants four instead of five. And that's through his agent. Dak Prescott has made zero noise whatsoever in his professional career. Matter of fact, one could argue, considering the games that he hasn't missed up until this this first injury of his career, he made back pages when he could he missed a practice for crying out loud. That's how reliable he was. The only noise that Dak Prescott has ever made is when in the initial process of COVID he had a party at his house and they were saying they didn't know whether it was 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, but he had a party at his house in the off season. Uh, at, that was it. That's the only negative noise that Dak Prescott has made. So if you're the Houston Texans and you want a star quarterback, somebody that can ball, but at the same time, somebody that you can trust is going to go along to get along. Uh, that's not going to ruffle any feathers with the organization. I don't know anybody that they could come up with better than Dak Prescott. Stephen A. Smith joining us this morning here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Let's go to the NBA. How concerned should the Lakers be about this Anthony Davis injury last night in their loss to the Nuggets? They should be very concerned because it's an Achilles. Although it's a strain, um, not a tear, and they will know more once the MRI is conducted this afternoon in Minneapolis, the bottom line is it's an Achilles. And anytime you got some issues with your Achilles, that is a reason to be concerned, period. Let me ask you this. Um, Giannis said about man. Giannis is crazy. Okay. I ain't, <laughs> Stephen Keep A. Giannis, Giannis sitting up talking about the Jazz is the best team out west. Man, I, I whatever he better try to get out of the East. What do you think about that? I agree with you. Um, I love Donovan Mitchell, but I'm not a believer in the Utah Jazz. Uh, I, what I would tell you is this: uh, you can look good in the regular season. You can look. There's plenty of teams that look good early on, and they folded. The Milwaukee Bucks, led by Giannis, is a testament to that. Uh, they were up 2-0 in the conference finals before folding four straight to Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors. Last year, they got buried by the Miami Heat, although it was in the bubble. Uh, so the last two years, even though he's the reigning league MVP, he's definitely had his issues. Uh, Utah is, is formidable, particularly defensively. This kid O'Neal can defend, and we know that. And Donovan Mitchell is a star. We know that. Uh, the best argument I think you can make for the Utah Jazz is that the likelihood is that they might end up being a top two seed in the Western Conference. If that is the case, that means you go against a seventh or an eighth seed, which means they get out of the first round, and then things could potentially be interesting. But the way I view them, I cannot see them getting past, you know, out of the second round. Uh, that's just how I view them. I'm sorry. I'm not sold on them like that. Stephen A., let's go to the Eastern Conference for a second. Somebody who's not a first seed, second seed, third seed, fourth seed, but actually a fifth seed. What the hell is going on in Boston? Is it is it time that we put Brad Stevens on the hot seat? Because it, it feels like this team has the talent, but they don't have the sense of urgency to be the team that we expect them to be. Well, you can, uh, you, can you can make that argument. The, 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 the sense of urgency doesn't appear to be there. That's fair. What I would say, however, is that I'm just looking at them right now, and I'm think I'm think before I think about Brad Stevens, I think about Danny Gage. Uh, 
And I think about Danny Ainge, who, you know, was building a roster, but has never really, has never gone for it. He's built a roster through the draft. You've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, you acquired Kemba Walker. We get all of that. Uh, you know, one could have argued they could have made a run for Anthony Davis. They refused to do so. Just looking at them right now, it seems like their window of opportunity has passed because they took they had an opportunity to go for it and didn't do it. Now, they're a, they're a relatively young squad. I mean, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum are both young. And so because of that, you know what, clearly they're not finished. Um, and I guess that's the reason you can look at Brad Stevens because they've got – they've got enough quality players to be better than what they are. Uh, but I still look at Danny Ainge because Danny Ainge, uh, you know, to me, uh, he was hesitant to be that guy that just went for it until he acquired KG um, and Ray Allen to join Paul Pierce because he was under pressure and he was under the hot seat. And then winning that championship and going to two finals in three years ever since that time, People look at the rosters that he's had and the hiring of Brad Stevens, who's a quality coach, and they said, you know what, he's good. We're good with Danny Ainge. He's one of the best executives in basketball. And I think because of that, he hasn't felt any level of urgency. And I think that before we get to Brad Stevens, we need to look at Danny Ainge and his sense of urgency or lack thereof because you got to point to that before you point to anything else. Stephen A., when I check out, I'm coming back as you just with a better hairline, so to speak, because yep. right yep. now you're the hardest man working hardest working man in show business you partnered up with mm-hmm. with uh nba all-star chris paul on espn plus you guys got a docuseries coming out why not us explain to us what that is well cp3 and espn asked me to come on board because uh the cp3 has an incredibly uh, incredibly close relationship with lavelle Moton, the head coach for north carolina central and, um, you know, this is a guy that has been at an NCCU, uh, at a historically black college in North Carolina and during North Carolina. He's been there for the last 11 years, his first 10 years. And nine of those 10 years, he won a conference title and he won, uh, he won uh, the regular season title, four regular season titles and four conference titles. And what he's done with that program has been absolutely phenomenal. And so CP3 wanted to highlight, you know, just what you have to go through, just not at his basketball program, using his basketball program to really highlight really the plight of HBCUs in terms of needing funding and support, what they're working against, and still managing to succeed the way that this man has. So through the lens of North Carolina Central University, and specifically Coach Moten, we wanted to highlight some of the challenges that come along with overseeing an HBCU program. And in spite of that, the talent that you have coming out there, the lessons that you've learned uh, that transcend beyond the court of play, per se, and really talk about what this man brings to the table and how this is what the experience could be like at HBCUs. Even now, it is that way. But imagine what it would be like if it received the support of uh, at least half the support of predominantly white institutions throughout this country. And with your background, having attended an HBCU, I certainly know this is obviously good. It's going to be a project that's close to your heart. We'll see you on 37 Minutes. First take, top of the hour, ESPN. Stephen A., thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. That's All Stephen right, A. Say. Smith, hardest working man in show business, but carving out a couple minutes for us. Anyway, still to come, who wants to carve out a spot on the roster for J.J. Watt? And what might the Watt news mean for Deshaun Watson. All of that next. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. J.J. Watt, he's being released by the Houston Texans. He's going to have multiple suitors. I'm going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills. Last one, let's go Baltimore Ravens.
This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Thirty-five seconds. Step back. Three-pointer. Buries it. Damian Lillard from way downtown, and the Blazers take the lead. One nineteen. One sixteen. Dame distance. Lillard time. Call it all of those things. One nineteen. One sixteen. The Blazers in front. You heard it on Rip City Radio. You may have seen it on ESPN NBA Sunday. One nineteen. One sixteen. The final. Lillard was great. Go ahead, three, which you heard there were 32.8 seconds to go to edge Dallas by three. Blazers have won six of seven, four in a row after a kind of a rocky start. They've really turned it around. Melo's been playing really good lately. And think about it, there's just too much talent on Terry Stotts' team to be struggling for too long. It was game time again last night. It's time for a little tennis. Jessica Pagula advancing to the Australian Open quarterfinals. That surname means anything to you yes if you're a bills or sabers fan you may recognize that as the last name of your owner terry and kim pagula that is their daughter and i guess she's 61st ranked in the wta rankings it's been 14 years since any american woman ranked that low has advanced this far to the quarters coming up tomorrow morning if you're watching us here in the east coast it'll be serena williams and simona Halep. that should be an outstanding match in Melbourne. Black History always to celebrate Black History Month. On this date in 1999, Reggie White retired. Second all-time in career sacks, but of course his impact off the field with the watershed lawsuit that led to the creation of unrestricted free agency might be the thing that he is celebrated for most, especially when it comes to all the players that came after him. He, of course, took his talents to Green Bay as an unrestricted free agent, spent his life harassing quarterbacks, and he, along with quarterbacks Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, probably the three greatest unrestricted free agency signings in the history 
of the National Football League Sports Center brought to you by Indeed. Find quality candidates fast with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. Claim a $75 credit on your first post at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. I think the reason Jeremy Fowler mentioned all those squads are all Super Bowl contenders and could use, I mean, who couldn't use a three-time defensive player of the year, but considering Watt's never been to the AFC title game and the Super Bowl is the only thing left on an incredible resume to fill out, those teams make sense. We're asking this morning on our Twitter feed, where should J.J. Watt play? We've gotten plenty of different responses. Let's get the answer from Ed Werder, ESPN NFL reporter. He joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Okay, Ed, I'm going to morph you into the role of listener. I'll just straight up ask you, where should, according to your context, the reporting you have, the context you have, where should J.J. Watt land next year? Or not. Good morning, Ed. Are you talking to me? I'm sorry. I, I got disconnected no and worries. then apparently reconnected. I, didn't, I wasn't aware you were asking me <laughs> all, the question. No, all good. So what do, you, what do you think of your decades covering the league, the people you talk to? Obviously, you've been rooted in the state of Texas. Um, what do you think could be next for him? <laughs> Well, I, I, from the people that I've talked to, both from the general managers and, and defensive coordinators, personnel people in the league, and then people close to J.J. Watt, I think you know, he, he views it as a situation where he wants to put himself in the best possible position to do the things he's never accomplished in his career. You know, he's going to thir- turn 32 next month. Uh, he's, he's been on teams that have won division titles. He's never been to a championship game. He's never been to a Super Bowl. So I think the first part of the decision for J.J. Watt will be who can get me to a Super Bowl? Which team plays the right scheme, has enough supporting talent, and who's the quarterback? So I think, you know, I've been told teams like Cleveland and Buffalo and Tennessee uh, are definitely all in it. Uh, I think these team, you know, teams are waiting to see what the salary cap is going to be um, before they commit big money to J.J. Watt. I mean, he's supposed to make $17.5 million he walked away from in Houston, so... I'm sure he believes he can make more than that somewhere else or make up that money someplace else. I think teams see him a little bit as, uh, you know, less than he once was at his very best, but still a very versatile player. Plays the run, play, can rush the passer, play inside, outside, fits a lot of schemes. Probably played too many snaps in Houston last year. Uh, so I think there'll be a pretty robust market for J.J. Watt. Ed, how, how much gas, realistically, for a guy his age that probably would have been released or later on down the line from Houston, does he have left in his tank? Well, I think he's he played 1,013 snaps last year, which is the second most of his career, and yet he had only five sacks, which is the fewest he's ever had in a 16-game season. Uh, we know he's missed 32 games because of injuries over the last five years, but he was still you know, a player who created – uh, he was a difference maker. He had seven batted passes, an interception. He returned for a touchdown. Uh, he made a lot of plays, 14 tackles for loss. Uh, so he can still be an impact guy. Of all the people I talked to, Keyshawn, only only one one defensive coordinator was critical of him in terms of saying, hey, he freelances too much, and that allows him to make some big plays. It also exposes the defense to giving up some big plays. But I think people believe he can be – uh, a very good player and a difference maker for another two or three years. Moving on from J.J. Watt, the Houston Texans, what does this do for the relationship with Deshaun Watson? What's the next step now that this domino has fallen? I mean, I think they're two completely different things. You've got you know, an aging defensive player who whose contract is $17.5 million who wants to go play 
for another team. That's different than a young franchise quarterback who just signed a deal uh, at the beginning of last season. Uh, everything the Texans have said and done indicates that they have absolutely zero interest at this point in trading Deshaun Watson. And whether they can salvage the relationship to his satisfaction uh, or whether he's willing to actually um, go nuclear and sit out the season and start missing game checks uh, remains to be determined. But uh, if I were the Texans, uh, there's nothing anybody could give me that would be enough uh, for me to trade Deshaun Watson and feel good about it. Ed, another quarterback franchise situation that's under the microscope is Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, What's the latest on that situation? Well, unless the Cowboys give Dak Prescott exactly what he wants, I don't see Dak having any reason to do anything until the March 9th deadline to be designated a franchise player because that's when he'll maximize his leverage. Uh, I talked to uh, Mike McCartney, who was the agent for Kirk Cousins, who's the only player, only quarterback in the NFL to play on the tag twice, which is what Dak Prescott is looking at. Uh, if he doesn't sign a long-term deal with the Cowboys this offseason. And I think he felt like he had incredible leverage against the the Washington Redskins at the time, as they were called. Um, And he converted that into, you know, an $84 million total guaranteed deal that remains the biggest in the NFL when he moved him to Washington after the second franchise. But I don't think he ever felt like he had the kind of leverage that Dak Prescott and Todd France have in the current negotiation or the upcoming negotiation between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott because Dak's a far better, more accomplished quarterback uh, than Kirk Cousins was at the time that he was tagged for the second time. And so the numbers I hear for Dak are, hey, he's going to want three years and 40 million average. Uh, So 120 million for three years. Remember the, the breakdown ultimately was over the length of the contract. Dak wanted four years. The Cowboys refused to offer anything less than five. And to me, that was the biggest mistake in the whole thing at the very end was how can the Cowboys justify, you know, not favoring, how do they not see four years of control over Dak Prescott being better than having one year of control uh, over Dak Prescott? And then they pay him this enormous amount, $34 million to play on the franchise tag, and they don't even get value out of that because he gets hurt for the first time in his career and only plays five games. So I think Dak has an enormous amount of leverage in this situation uh, is Jerry willing to walk away from the deal? Is Jerry going to refuse to pay uh, $40 million to a quarterback? He could. He, I mean, he's the owner and he's the general manager. He's spending his own money in this deal, unlike everybody else in the league. And so, you know, Jerry's not under the same pressure as most general managers who have to win to justify their continued existence in their current capacity. Jerry doesn't have to do that. Hasn't won in 25 years. You know, Ed, I was going to say, these negotiations are all about position how do you position yourself so positioning tactic is that they have the 10th pick overall in the nfl draft yep. you, what is the likelihood of them taking a quarterback this way to create some leverage for dallas moving forward well it's not something that they've done um the only time they invested a first round pick in a quarterback was jerry uh, and jimmy's first year together in 1989 they drafted troy aikman first overall and then they used a supplemental pick basically their number one the next year a few months later to draft steve walsh who they then traded for three other picks, but that's that's typically not what the Cowboys have done. So, uh, and it's more, it's more unpredictable than ever to me, guys, because you know we didn't get to talk to Jerry uh, outside the locker room after every game, so we don't we know less about his mindset and how he views things than we ordinarily would. And he's an unpredictable guy anyway. 
Um, so I think, I think it's hard to know how Jerry views this because he could certainly look at it and go, you know, hey, I, I saw last year without Dak Prescott how valuable he is to our franchise. Uh, and I know that the only time we won in the league, won at all, was when I had Troy Aikman, who was the number one pick at quarterback, the only time we've done that. Uh, so I'm really not sure how he'll judge it that way. But I think, I think if they don't have a clear sense that they're going to get a deal done with Dak uh, long term, when they have the 10th pick in the draft and there's quarterbacks available, if they like one of those quarterbacks at 10, then I think they have to take a quarterback at that, in that situation. Yeah, let me ask you this before we get out of here, because I haven't really heard anybody speak on this, and you're on the ground in Dallas, mm-hmm. and you you know, you're, you got your ears to the, to the floor there. The salary cap has not been released yet. So right. how could the Cowboys even know what the numbers are between the end of the regular season and the start of the NFL season if they have no idea – where the negotiating starts at without having a salary cap number. Well, Jerry is on the television committee, so I think he has probably a really good sense as, you know, the new TV deals uh, are very close to being finalized. I'm sure he has a very good sense of what those numbers are going to be, and they probably have a fair idea of what the salary cap's going to be, but they have said that they want to know the specifics of the deal and how much – uh, they have to allocate before they open negotiations with Dak Prescott. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think it applies to, to J.J. Watt as well. Uh, any player with a big number contract, the, the teams are going to want to know what the cap is going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be a very difficult situation for the Cowboys if, there's, if the cap declines for the first time in history at a time when Dak Prescott, if you franchise tag him, gets a $7 million raise and then, you know, potentially costs even more than that. Um, against the cap if you sign them to a long-term deal. So I think that's why – I think they do want to know exactly what the number is um, before they make an opening offer to Dak Prescott. But most people think Dak – that they basically, Jerry basically has to go to Dak and just say, hey, what's it going to take? You know, here's a blank check. Uh, if you want to stay – if you want to keep him in Dallas, you almost have to give him a blank check situation. So we'll see. Uh, Jerry, as you know, has said Dak has all the leverage. That's quite a stark admission – for an NFL owner who's about to open a negotiation with a franchise quarterback. Yeah, especially when you say it publicly, and that's the guy you're directly negotiating with. The salary cap is a function of league revenue, and the league makes more money on the television deals from CBS, NBC, Fox, and ESPN than they do anything else. So we'll have to wait to see where it all stands. It's the biggest story, both quarterbacks in Texas, and Ed will be watching it all the way through. Ed, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Good to Ed. talk to you guys. Have a great right, week. You hit. too. Four options. Remember, sign Dak to a long-term deal, let Dak walk, franchise tag him and let him play, franchise tag and trade him. Those that, are the four options. That salary cap, though, people don't really understand. That thing is, is big. Oh, huge. Huge, especially when that guy's going to take over the biggest percentage of your salary cap, right? That one position is going to be more valuable than any other. Dak Prescott has 130 combined passing and rushing touchdowns in 69 career games. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, that's the ninth most in a player's first 70 games in NFL history. Not bad for the 135th pick in his own draft. Stats Incredible brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. On the way, it was supposed to be an incredible breakthrough moment for college basketball less than a month from Selection Sunday. But is there time? to salvage this one inspirational story. What are we talking about? That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio and streaming on the ESPN app. If they want to move, we might be able to bring him to L.A., though, for the Lakers. Him, LeBron, A.D., that's your whole team in cap space. Yeah, but that's all you need in a bunch of me's and you's. Hey, look, me's is different than you's. You better stop putting us in the same category.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. So Jay knows a little bit about this, the college basketball season heating up, and that means the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. John, uh, Jay, of course, won it. Go to ESPN.com, search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award late season top 20 nominees to watch as the season rolls on. In fact, I've clicked on it right now. Some of the names, Jay, of course, to keep your eye on here, Charles Bassey, Western Kentucky, Jared Butler of Baylor, Kofi Coburn, Illinois, Cade Cunningham, who I'm sure you'll be talking about at the 2021 NBA Draft, the great freshman Hunter Dickinson, playing for the great freshman of yesteryear, Juan Howard, Luca Garza of Iowa, Colin Gillespie at Villanova, just running through the list. And, of course, the couple guys from Gonzaga, Jalen Suggs, and Drew Timmy. All names you know if you watch college basketball. One of those guys is going to win, or somebody else is going to win, the John R. Wooden Award, an award, of course, that Jay already has. On the college basketball tip, Selection Sunday is actually just under a month away. It's March 14th, so today is, of course, January 15th, so people are now getting into college basketball. We were getting into one of the great stories of last year when a kid named Makur Maker, may not have heard about him, a lot of people that follow basketball recruiting, this is a very familiar name, bucked the trend and became the first player in the quote-unquote recruiting era, right? We've been recruiting players forever, but we haven't been ranking them forever. The first player in the history of the recruiting rankings, ESPN, 247, Rivals, all the stuff, to commit to a historically black college or university, HBCU. He committed to Howard University, and everybody said, wow, this is going to put Howard on the map. This is going to be great for other players that are thinking about going to the HBCU route. Jay knows there's an amazing young player out there named Mikey Williams who essentially said, I might want to go HBCU after what I see Makur Maker do. HBCUs generally have to spend their non-conference schedule playing on the road just to accrue enough money to keep the rest of the athletic department afloat. They don't get a lot of opportunities opportunities and revenue. This was an unbelievable opportunity for both Maker and Howard. And unfortunately, it's all come to a premature end. This is not getting a lot of attention because there's so much else going on in the sport. But Howard, about five days ago, said, we're done with our season. Too many guys are testing positive. We don't have enough. Canceling practices, canceling games. They finished with a one in four mark. The guys haven't played a game since December 18th. Makur Maker will finish playing two games at Howard. Now, he could return next season, but he was a five-star player, and surely somebody might get in his ear and said, it's time to go to the NBA, it's time to go get paid, this was a great idea, just didn't 
work out. So he finishes with two games under his belt. He had a groin injury. It could have been spectacular. It's not to say somebody else won't go to an HBCU. When we're post-pandemic, maybe somebody does it. It works out, and it leads to a bunch of other players doing it. But I think it's just a crushing blow because this could have been such a great story. Maybe he's transcendent, and they win the auto bid out of the MEAC, which is historically black conference. They go to the NCAA tournament. All these things. He would have been the best player in the league, hands down. All of these things are out there, and unfortunately, another victim of the virus is Makur Maker and the Howard Bison. Wish them the best of luck moving ahead next year. Hope another kid will do this, Key and Jay. But it's just another reminder of even the best laid plans, the plans that people—this is so well, great. This could help so many people, Jay, and it just did not work I, out. I still think it's great. I 100%. Still, I still think 100%. it's a great story. It didn't, they may have not finished the season, but clearly— you know, he was playing and doing the things that he was capable of doing. Now, look, whether or not he comes back next year, I think his whole goal and dreams is making it to the NBA. He probably could have just set out and trained like a lot of guys do anyway and wind up being NBA prospects. Mm-hmm. But I also think a part of the dream was to empower historically black colleges to get that name recognition. And that is a missed opportunity. I think that's why that... Uh, what you see with Stephen A. and Chris Paul doing in that docuseries is so important. Like Lavelle Moton's a really good friend, head coach for North Carolina Central of mine. I have a home in Durham. They don't have the resources. I mean, think about what we were hearing Jay Bill say about Duke. Like, these kids are staying in hotels the whole time. They're flying privately to different events. Uh, it, it's not the same resources to tap into. So, in that regard, it was a missed opportunity, Zubin. Yep. Kenny Blakely, their head coach, just tried to make it work, but much like the coronavirus, forces were out of his control, but hope for the best from a core maker at the next level. Super talented. Will We'll see where his basketball skills take him. We'll Get be that back wooden war back, Jay. <laughs> it's over his left shoulder. He ain't giving it back. He earned that thing. <laughs> Today on Greeny, Jeff Darlington, Stink, and Scotty Miller. See you tomorrow morning. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.